You know, Joe, I have the worst thesaurus. It's awful, and it's awful. <laughs> Joe, do you hate when people answer their own questions? Because I do. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Jacques. Joe here. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. Uh, right off, right out, right off the gate. First of all, Carnival Personnel Podcast. Oh, who cares? Joe, uh, all countries matter. All right, don't, don't, <laughs> don't start this Fourth of July bullshit celebrating because you know, Joe, all countries matter, and I'm, 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 I'm just saying it. And a guy I follow on Twitter uh, a couple weeks ago had tweeted out, you know, as soon as he sees somebody on Twitter with a flag american flag next to the name you think what an asshole that carries over in real life for me i was going i was driving down the street the other day this big jeep pulls out with a gigantic flag and instantly instantly just i assume the worst and i'm like what a fucking dick you know and i'm like oh man it's got to that point where honestly i i I don't see a big difference between the u.s flag and the uh the confederate flag (laughs) Is there really any flag besides the rainbow flag that can be accepted as sort of a, ah, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I know, Canada. Canada's flag is pretty new. Yes. Yeah. You know, one of those countries that we can't go to anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Including Mexico. Uh, Yeah. It's like I remember, you know, in the 215 election talking to some of my Canadian friends. I'm like, hey. If I can get in, I will help build your wall. Like, I I 100% support Canada building a wall at this point. Anyways, Joe, it is the 4th as we're recording this. I I, I have uh, a feeling you have big plans on sitting around the TV tonight watching the fireworks. In my living room. I'm going to light them in my living room. Okay. I bought a bunch from New Hampshire, and I'm good to go. Actually, I bought them from a guy down the street who had a ton of fireworks from his purchase in New Hampshire, so I'm good to go. It's your freedom. You have, you have the right to do it. You, you know, you, you can't be told to wear a mask and not light fireworks in the house. I'm actually lighting a mask and then lighting the fireworks with the lit mask. <laughs> well played, my friend. So to start off, you know, a sad-ish note. Uh, we lost Carl Reiner this week. I think. Oh, actually, I think we know where he is, but he has ceased to be, and it's very sad. Uh, as as we like to say, as Joe likes to say, diet with dates on the book, still actively working at 86. And I'm thrilled and delighted that we will be doing a sideshow, but it's bittersweet because it means we're doing a sideshow because he passed. I don't like to correct you on this podcast. I do. But you said 86 and 90, he might, he might look 86 because he was so right. vibrant and young, but he actually died at uh, 96. Uh, well, actually... Wasn't it 90, 98, 98. 98. Yeah. Yeah. His, uh, his wife, I think it was his wife who had tweeted out, took over his Twitter, had tweeted out a picture. He passed away Monday or Tuesday and he had tweeted out like, uh, Mel Brooks was over his house and it was him, Mel Brooks, his wife laying in bed, all wearing black lives matter t-shirts. And he's, and his wife's like, yeah, he really wanted me to tweet this out. And in lieu of any kind of donation to any kind of charity or anything like that, here's the link to donate money to Black Lives Matter. I mean, truly, he went out fucking kicking ass. He did. And I um, I don't want to think that they put those T-shirts on after having a three-way, but now... Maybe. No, I, I hope they did. God d- damn it. I, I No, Joe. I hope 100% that that's how that all went down. Right. Instead of, like, you know, smoking after sex, they say, you know what? Let's protest police brutality publicly after sex. So we will. We, 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 we'll talk a little bit about Carl Reiner on this podcast, but we're going to do a sideshow that will drop Thursday. And, you know, it's always bittersweet when we do these things. And I believe both Joe and I fell down some uh, Carl Reiner rabbit holes. I didn't know he was sick. I, you know, I don't, I was it public that he was in failing health because if you follow him on Twitter, you know, him and, and, and Mel Berg, I mean, uh, not, not missing a beat or missing a step. I don't think he was public about any sort of illness. And it makes you think, like, did he actually tweet out after? Like, were those actually his tweets during the last year of his life? Or I presume they were because 
they seem to be in his voice. And he's Carl Reiner, for Christ's sake. He like like he says in the uh, the documentary on HBO that we'll talk about later. Don't stop typing. He never stopped typing. He was writing up until the day he died. So I imagine that uh, even if he was sick, it must have been something where he was just managing it quietly among his family and, you know, didn't want to bring attention to himself. And that's the Carl Reiner way. You know, one of the things that makes me happiest about following him the last few years and him still being in the public eye is not only how active he is and inspiring he is, and we'll talk about that documentary. I think the thing that I love most is his friendship with Mel Brooks that to this day that they walk you like, I guess, you know, Carl Reiner walked over to Mel Brooks house almost every day to have dinner together and watch a movie. And I've seen so many different interviews with, you know, Max Burke and Carl Reiner on different shows over like the last few years. I've seen him before and I've seen him, you know, this week. I, I, I do. I love that, you know, they got to their late 90s. And, and honestly, it's one of those things. You know, I don't feel much for Carl Reiner today. I feel for all the people he left behind. And it's got to be, you know, for somebody like Mel Brooks, who was a World War II. And, and, and you know, I've... I've seen different interviews recently. He, I think, really for years suffered from PSD, uh, Mel Brooks. He was actually, of all of them, he was the one who was in the battles. Like, he saw real live World War II combat where, you know, the Bob Hopes and, and, and even Carl Reiner and stuff like that, they put on shows for the troops, you know, which was <laughs> great, which was great. It served a huge purpose. But, Mel, but the fact that they got to their late 90s working – and not just rehashing their old stuff, which he did, which is fine, um, but coming up with new material. You know, I didn't realize this until researching for the sideshow. Did you know Carl Reiner wrote an episode of The Cleveland Show? No. I don't think yeah. I did. No, I did not know. I did not know that. I knew he was so, in Hot in Cleveland. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, as as Betty White's boyfriend. Yes. And, and I was watching – I watched an episode of that where it's funny that Betty White is talking to Valley Bertinelli that he, she's going to break up with him because he won't go downtown, if you know what I mean. And and this look of horror on Valley Bertinelli's face is like, yeah, he just says you can never find parking. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, not any good they, res- restaurants. <laughs> they, they, they left you hanging for that minute. Here's Betty White complaining. Hot in Cleveland, um, a funny show apparently and you know just kind of flew under the – radar uh for most people but uh, anyway we'll talk more about carl reiner on our sideshow on thursday but jacques uh what else have you done leading up to this uh, broadcast of ours uh last night had a very you know a good friend uh biffy organized a friday night parking lot zoom meeting where a lot of the fnh regulars i think there was like 10 guys on the call and it was really really fantastic our friend uh, Al, who sent me the new Batman thing, was on the call. I haven't talked to him in a little bit. Our friend Thriller, I haven't seen him in you know in, in quite some while. The Pride of Jamaica Plain, Paul Ruger was there. You know, of course, John Biff, All Star Tommy. It was great, you know. And it went on at like eleven. The call was at eleven, but you know, I I, I text him out about like ten forty five, saying, "Hey." You know, I'm watching Hamilton with the family. Cue the mocking in three, two, <laughs> because I told him I was going to be a little late. And then I did. I was on the call till about like 1230, quarter one. And then I did the Irish goodbye. <laughs> and I checked my, my phone in the morning. There was a good dozen texts. It's like, hey, where you go? Hey, come back. I'm like, no, it, 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 it was enough. Luckily, there was not much anti-mask or, you know, COVID's not a bad thing. You know, most of the people who might take that point of view weren't on and the two who were kind of kept it at bay. It's funny because one of our right-leaning, you know, teammates, no names mentioned, Crazy Legs, we were starting to talk about, and I didn't put it on the rundown, we just got the letter from the school that our youngest kid goes to about their plan. Maybe I'll bring that up in a bit. But, you know, Crazy Legs was like, somebody asked, hey, you know, what's, what are you hearing about in, in Pasadena? And he's like, I don't know, but if these kids go, go back to school, we're going to go crazy. If they don't open the school, we're going to burn it to the ground. And I'm like, okay, let me stop you right there. Do Republicans ever think before you say anything? So you're upset that the school might not be opening because of the safety of your child. So your answer 
is to burn it to the ground so when the pandemic does pass, you don't have a school to send your child to. Okay. Continue with your point. You know, free speech, say all the crazy stuff you want. But let's, uh, let's think a little bit about these things before you throw them out there. Republicans are used to burning things, you know. Books, crosses, you name. Well, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. That's mean, Joe. What are you talking? You, yeah, right. Masks. What are you lumping all Republicans into one crazy white supremacist pile for? What are you doing? That's not right. That's not right. That's my so Kevin Joe. Haney. Sorry. Happy, uh, happy 40th anniversary to airplane. You were, you were two when that thing came out. <clears throat> uh, pretty much, yeah, yeah, two, three. I should go and find out what the sideshow was and repost that on, on Twitter with all the people wishing it a happy anniversary. Because, you know, as good as Airplane was, I think listening to our podcast talk about, you know, zero hour and the side by side comparison really would make the viewing better for everybody. Yeah, don't listen to the Gilbert Gottfried Amazing Colossal podcast with Robert Hayes and Julie Haggerty. Nobody wants to hear no, that. No, 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 no. Jump straight. To carnival personnel, <laughs> you know, because they they don't talk that much about Sarah. I mean, we went into a much deeper dive. Yeah, and at the, and we we misquoted more things than they did. So I think we have the edge. You're welcome, America. You're welcome. Uh, so as I said last night, I watched Hamilton, and I I always wanted to see it because I knew it was going to get released. And but Broadway's Broadway, unlike the sports world, has closed till I think January third. They've already said, you know what. We'll see you January 3rd. And it, it, it might get pushed back, but they're like, fuck it. 2020 is a wash. And I feel bad, you know, all the – and you think about that. Anybody not working because of this and now with like, you know, the pandemic insurance running out and unemployment running out, I mean, you know, all the actors, whether they're big actors, but for every one big actor – there's, you know, 200 smaller actors and, you know, the people who work at the theaters that they're not doing it. But it was great. I watched Hamilton on Disney Plus last night, the original cast performance. And honestly, it was fantastic. Can't wait to see it live. I doubt I'll ever get to see it with like Lin-Manuel, you know, Miranda as Hamilton. But it was fantastic. The whole family watched it. And uh, I don't know if you've seen it. I know your oldest son, who's a musician and, you know, a theater kid himself, probably not watching it because somebody had overplayed the Hamilton soundtrack for him. But it's great. It's absolutely great. And then I spent the management nice, you know, you know, I don't you know. I don't want to get into too much pillow talk. I don't want to get too blue on this show. But after we watched Hamilton, we went to bed, Joe, and late there and Wikipedia shit for about two hours you know <laughs> doing some fact checking were you making sure that everything was historically accurate because that's important no i went back and it's like holy shit his wife outlived like all the stuff that came up in it you know it's like oh i knew 60 percent of it 70 percent of it but i did i knew he was a prolific writer but i didn't know how much of a prolific writer he he was or how much of the federal papers that he personally wrote or that his wife outlived him by 50 years and ended up like starting the first private orphanage raising hundreds of children over the last 50 years of her life although she had nine of her own yeah and uh that helps when you don't get into any duels you know if you go live a dual free life you can live into your 80s and you know that's the uh that's the, the real takeaway i got from hamilton i actually did watch hamilton with my wife not my kids because, you know, they had video games to attend to and we don't like the sight of them. So um, we uh, – I also – I had never – I went in pretty much cold, pretty cold. I had not listened to the soundtrack at all. Um, I kind of wasn't into learning about it beforehand. So to watch it unfold cold for the first time was quite the experience. It was – I mean, it's a great show. I do – understand why people go back to see it multiple times if they can afford to when it was running on Broadway because A, it's just that good of a show and B, it moves fucking fast. Oh, oh I mean, Whoa. it was, I felt like the same anxiety that I imagine I would have if I were to watch Game of Thrones. Like, that sort of like, who's that and why is he there and why are they double casting that guy? Wasn't he, why is the son here? And, you know, like, I, I, I was trying to figure things out and trying to piece it together and... Yeah, it, it's a it's a really fat. Like the whole goddamn show is like a hip hop 
it's a it's a it's a medley of like hip hop and and rap uh, songs, but it's also like it gets in like rap battle. Like they actually have rap battles there. Actual rap battle. Yeah, yeah like their 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 congressional meetings are just just rap battles, which are great. But yeah, it, they move so fast, and it's all flawless, and it's amazing, and it's great. And I can imagine what it's like seeing it live. It probably you know ten a hundred times better than seeing it on the small screen. And um, yeah, so I'll probably end up doing a reviewing at some point. But I liked it a lot. Yeah, when when Thomas Jefferson went into his raps, like that man could just honestly, it's like if you caught like one out of every three lines, because he was just moving when he went into his rap. And I love how they weaved, you know, famous lines from famous rap songs or just like pop culture lines and references in there. And the thing that um, caught management and I off guard, you know, I've seen my share of plays, not, not as much as you, you know, I, you know, but there was no dialogue. This was straight up. Every line spoken was a song and uh we like and i'm horrible with actors names but the guy who played king george who also plays Kristoff and frozen his king george was so fucking good like that crazed ferret look that he had in his eyes the entire time and and, and play on him going mad of being angry and going mad as king george was like you know a, a raving lunatic like he he was just so fucking good, dude. dude and be- thankfully, there were close-ups on everybody during their performances because I don't think if you were sitting in, say, you know, the mezzanine or the balcony, you could see you couldn't see the drool coming out of just King George's well. mouth. It was so gross. The spittle. So gross. I never seen a guy play spittle so well on the stage before. I think his name's Jonathan Groff. Or maybe yes, it is. Nope, it is Groff. And at one point. I was a little freaked out because the dude didn't fucking blink. He just held this crazy stare at one point. And after about, honestly, about a minute and a half, I'm like, the management of the boys, I'm like, have I missed it? Has he has he blinked? We blink at the same time. And Did they CGI CGI out his eyelids at some point? Although, oh. you know, speaking of cutting things out, they did cut out a couple of Fs. I, you know, they were cutting out the F words due to Disney's request. There was actually like one bleep, which I wasn't sure was part of the show, but I'm pretty sure it was not part of the original show. You uh, you could only say fuck once, and there was three in the play, and so Lynn manuel had like had tweeted out, I think, or, you know, I had seen it, like, management, maybe it was like Facebook, where it was from a, an interview, it goes, yeah, you know, to, to make it so Disney was playing, you know, hey, like, I give two fucks. You're right. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you literally gave two fucks. Yeah, it's a great show. Great show. I'm uh, I'm only hoping that Book of Mormon has the same thing somewhere so that <laughs> you can see Book of Mormon. That is on the list. I did finish The Leftovers this week. Good, because I spent all day slaving on them. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love you. Um, and so I didn't read a goddamn thing about it until I finished in season three. And I think season... One was like 11 episodes, season two was nine, and season three was eight. So it wasn't that much to power through it. So I'm reading up about it. And again, I started watching it having no nothing about it. I just was like, oh, let me watch something new one day when I was getting dinner ready for the, the, for the boys. Like the screen grab. I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. Okay, I'll check it out. So I'm reading. It was the – like. They, they took the top 200 critics, TV critics, decade in review last year, and it was the consensus overall number one pick for the 2010s, which I'm like, okay, I really liked it, but I don't know if I would make it, you know, the show of the decade. You know, it was only three seasons, but the critic, you know, all these critics, I'm like, okay, so if all these critics, and not every critic had number one, but everyone had in their top five, you know what I mean? So the cumulative score had it the number one thing. And it's good, but it's like, how can I not have heard of a show that did that well? Even on HBO, then I'm reading more about it, and and one of the creators of The Leftovers was one of the creators of Lost. Oh, okay. Was it Damon Lindelof? It was. Yeah, so he also did The Watchmen. Which is probably, you know, why Regina King was such a prominent in both of them. Uh, It was good, you know, and unlike Lost, it had kind of closure. It It wasn't like... 
No, no, they're not in purgatory. No, they're not in purgatory. And then the final episode, they're in purgatory. (laughs) (laughs) Right. By the way, Regina King, do you know where we first saw Regina King? You won't know. She was one of the daughters on 227. Wow. Yeah. That that is great. No, like when I recently looked her up on IMDb, I'm like, holy shit, she has not... Like, she hasn't not been on a show in production of a movie since, like, 1991. Like, her IMDb page is, like, oh, is it earlier than that? It's like, holy crap. And so, and she often, often, often plays just this no-nonsense, I will rip off your arm and beat you with the bloody stump. Right, it's between her and Viola Davis, like, you know, going after the same types of roles. Yeah. It's kind of like Jason Alexander... And losing out to Philip Seymour Hoffman all those years. <laughs> yeah, but he hasn't locked out on a role to him in years. You know, he just keeps getting better. Improving, improving, improving. So that's great. Um, as the country is starting to open up, I think I'm taking things more seriously. Not that I haven't for the past like three months. So I've been watching more TV. I also have been trying to listen to less awful, you know, so there's been more stuff on. But I watched some awful I watched the first episode of the documentary about the Golden State Killer. Same here. Oh, okay. You lead the way. What were your thoughts? I follow Patton Oswalt on Twitter, obviously. And when when she died, when Michelle McNamara, his first wife, died, I didn't know he even was married. I didn't know anything about his personal life. So it was a complete, like, stunner. Like, my God, this guy was married, had a kid, has a kid. And wife passes away in her sleep. Then you start. He starts revealing all these things about what, or not revealing, but just going over what she's done and what she was working on. And so, when the book that she was working on was partially finished, she, he took the steps to complete the book. And the timing of everything is so peculiar between the parallels of what Michelle McNamara was doing and what was happening with the real Golden State Killer that she was tracking in real life. How. You know, the, the book was coming out, you know, a couple of years ago, and on the day it was it was released was the day that they caught the guy, essentially. And now, the day that this documentary is released, no, I'm sorry, the weekend, so it's a, a couple of days, he pled guilty. So, the parallels are just, you don't want to believe in cosmic coincidences, but if there ever was such a thing, this was it. Well, well no, because, and I, I think it gets into it, because I've heard Pat Oswald over the last couple of years, talk about it. And, and and it is, it's one of those things where, you know, his wife, she had a life of her own before them. You know, she was a segment producer on like 2020 and stuff like that. And that was her job, you know, as, as being a segment producer and stuff like that. But, and this became kind of her hobby and then her hobby became her career. And it is one of those things where, the police were not investigating this. And, and, and look, I know firsthand through, you know, through, through our friend John, how very often the police will try to not open cold cases and to not, you know, do, do certain things. And, I, you know, I know that for a fact. It was the public outcry that kept this going. And as she was closing in on him, it's like that's that reignited the police. So when they nabbed him, the police are like, oh, it had nothing to do with all this attention, this very prominent crime drama internet sleuth has been putting these pieces together for us for the past, like, you know, five. Well, okay. So it was what, what the arrest him in, like 2016. And this documentary starts up in like 2011. Like that's when it became her life. And for like five years and, you know, we'll see how the documentary unfolds. But yeah, I mean, it's funny how much of this, these true crime dramas and these like, like serial and all these other podcasts in around that space of, you know, is this guy guilty? Is this the wrong guy? Or how come you haven't focused this much attention? And it's funny because it, it didn't talk about it in episode one, but one of the reasons that it didn't get much traction is he had two different nicknames, and neither one of the nicknames was that catchy. All right, his they they shortened it to Eron's, but he was basically the East Area Rapist, and then there was the original Night Stalker, and then they determined like they they thought they were two separate guys, and then they were like, wait, this is the same guy, so they started calling him E A R O N S Eron's. And that was his name for, you know, years and years and years. And then until finally 
I think Michelle McNamara coined the phrase Golden State Killer. Yeah. So they, the, the documentary is called I'll Be Gone in the Dark, named after her book of the same thing. Patton Oswalt is prominently interviewed during the first episode. I think he takes a back seat until later episodes coming up. It's, this is more of like a documentary. Of, it's a twofer. It's a documentary about finding the Golden State Killer, not just Michelle McNamara, but the friends she made along the way, the other internet sleuths that helped her you know, gather evidence and information. But then the other part of this documentary is about Michelle McNamara's life and like her contribution to this case. So it's a it's a twofer. You're getting two for the price of one, which is nothing if you were Jacques because he doesn't pay for his HBO Max subscription. I'm a jerk. But anyway. No, thank you. Oh, oh thank, thank you. you. So, yeah, check this out if you have HBO. Yeah, I'll be gone in the dark. Great documentary. And it's released weekly, which is a nice way to digest things. I like the way HBO does it weekly because... It does give you a week to just sort of like ruminate and digest things. It's like, you know, it's fun to binge watch certain shows, but things of this nature are, are, are also good to take over a week by week thing so that you can talk about it. And there can be a dialogue. And so now now we're going to move on to the that was a fun part of the week. Joe, uh, the Surgeon General of the United States. Uh, gosh, I just want to I want to find the right the right way to say this. Um a Trumpkin bootlicking, not doing his job, shithead. Uh, I was watching all the segments the other day. People were talking. He was interviewed, and it might have been on Good Morning America or the Today Show. He was asked point blank, okay, so there's this big you know, get-together on the 4th of July. The president's going to Mount Rushmore. Do you think it's safe that people aren't going to be social distancing and wearing masks? And he flat out said, well, it wasn't a got you question. This is the Surgeon General. And he went right into the, well, people have to make up their own decisions. No, you're the fucking Surgeon General. Uh, it, 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 you know, let, let's go back in, in Surgeon General history. It's like, uh, uh, hey, should we put seatbelts in cars? Uh, yes. Yes, we should. Yeah, but some people think it infringes on their fucking rights. Oh, you know what? It's going to save hundreds of thousands of fucking lives. Put seatbelts in the goddamn car. Well, what about smoking? Are you, are you a little on the fence in smoking? Well, we were 30 years ago, but now we know it fucking kills people. Don't smoke. You know, hey, this, 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 this thing COVID's going around, and I, I think we're about 135,000 deaths. We're 5% of the world population, but over a quarter of the deaths. Do you, think, do you think we should take any steps at all to, let's say, prevent this from getting even worse? Well, you know, that's a personal decision. You're right. That's between you and your mask, really. You know, we don't want to get in between. We don't want to make this a political thing. I don't. It's, I, I cut heroin. Up. Heroin. You know, Surgeon General, should, should I be shooting heroin? You know, is it cool? Because my friend, Lou Reed, who I don't know, who died, uh, but he shot heroin. Should I shoot heroin? Uh, it's a personal decision. <laughs> <laughs> That's between you and your cartel associate. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, dude, it's one of those things where I know it's such an old phrase. You have one fucking job. You know, you're, 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 you're the, you know, the Surgeon General for the United States. Your one fucking job is, is kind of prevent people from dying. Look, he's the Surgeon General. He's not the Surgeon Specific. All right? So he doesn't want to get into specifics. He's generally wear masks. But Mount Rushmore, uh, Trump event, yeah, you know, we don't have to sp splitting hairs here, you know? To each their own, really. Uh, yes, you should social distance whenever you can. Avoid large gatherings and wear a mask. Oh, is that is that too hard? I mean, is it, wait a minute. Am I smarter than the Surgeon General, Joe? I I'm not a smart fella, but uh, <laughs> you're just an unfrozen caveman. <laughs> oh my God! It's like I hear that and I see the clip. I'm like, dude, honestly, it's like this is going to. He's going to be out of office, you know, God willing, in a few months. And this is going to haunt you forever. Like like these not standing up to him, these moments where – is it really standing up to the president to say, yeah, Surgeon General, you should wear a mask and social distance? It's, I, you know, he's not saying don't go to the event. 
you shouldn't go to these events. But, you know, uh, and, and it is. It's one of those things where, okay, you know, now that it's spiking everywhere. Anyway, shut up, John. You keep actually, uh, you mentioned that, God willing, Trump will be voted out of office in November. I said to my wife this morning, I was like, you know what? And I'm echoing things I've seen on Twitter. Uh, this is, I think we're going to have a Jaws 2 situation going on. And it's apt for July 4th to mention that the mayor from Jaws 1 was also the mayor in Jaws 2. And, and it was the same thing. Oh, we know there's a big shark out there, but the economy, the economy, the economy. And it's literally closing beaches. That's the topic. <laughs> there's a threat to public safety at the beach. We couldn't be more similar in this situation, except it's with a highly contagious, deadly disease. At least the shark was specific. At least it was like, you know what? If you're not going in the water, you're not going to get bitten by the shark. Here, the shark meets you at the gate. Like It's like it doesn't even let you into the space before it bites you. Do you, do you think the shark was racist because it, it didn't attack any black people? You know, I never thought of that. You know, um, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna lose you on the screen for a second because I want to make sure I get this quote right. I I, I definitely want to get this quote it's right. It's when the looting starts. The is that the quote? Nope. Here here it is. Hold on. I'm holding on to it. I'm concerned about voter registration in Mississippi. The commissioner wrote, "The blacks, the blacks, are having lots of events for voter registration." People in Mississippi have to get involved too. Oh, so, so that 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 was Gail Welsh, uh, you know, for for from Mississippi, all the way from Mississippi. Uh, the the blacks, which you know, I, I think I can stop this part of the thing by saying anything she says after that is uh, quantifiably racist. There's a lot to unpack in that quote. Um, first of all, yes, the blacks. Second of all. People in Mississippi have to start registering or doing something about it too. What? So that that that's your election commissioner and the and the great state of Mississippi, which you know, hey, Mississippi was having an okay week by finally being the last state to ban the Confederate flag. And like I said, when I went to shoot my movie in Jackson, Mississippi, in two thousand fifteen. God, was it that long ago? And I remember seeing it. We we were at, you know, we were shooting at an old police station across the street from the new police station, and it was flying the flag. And I'm like, oh, well, huh. I I I always base things about Mississippi on my complete ignorance of thinking they were backwards woods people and racist piece of shits. And uh, I guess me jumping in conclusion this time was pretty much okay. <laughs> You know, and I guess just a year before they had it vote, it was on the thing. Should they get rid of it? And it stayed the state flag like 60 to 40 percent. Like and, and and the argument was, oh, that's part of our heritage. And it's like, OK, I'm not we're not going down that rabbit hole. But I'm like, oh, OK, well, you know, if one decent thing happened in 2020 is Mississippi stopped using the Confederate flag, you know, as part of their flag. But. You know, within days, they were able to make sure they write it that wrong of being politically correct. And again, this wasn't somebody eavesdropping on a conversation. The woman flat out, the blacks are having lots of voter registration events. People of Mississippi should get involved, too. So, uh, yeah, she'll be she'll be reelected. Yeah. Yeah. In a landslide. Um you know, so the the madam and, I, and I, her name isn't important, but Jeffrey Epstein's madam or partner in crime who you know, like rounded up a lot of these victims and groomed them and stuff like that. So she was arrested this week. And um, this woman, honestly, we're talking if you follow Twitter or Facebook or the news at all, there are hundreds of photos of her with almost every famous person in like the last like 30 years. And uh, Bunker Boy Jr., Donnie Jr. decides he's going to tweet out a couple pictures where Eric. Yes, it was Eric. Trump. Oh, 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 was it Eric Trump? Yeah, Eric, Eric Trump. He, we said where there's smoke, there's fire, kind of thing. And uh, he he posted a picture of yeah, Ghislaine Maxwell with uh, what was it, the Clintons or something like that. She was at, she was at like Chelsea's wedding. Yes, right. And she was like he had a circle where she was standing because it wasn't even like a posed photo. It was like she was there. Okay, granted, gross. But uh, then 
you know, the internet's like, oh, by the way, here's 50 photos of you. I'm sorry, your, your, your dad and your stepmom and Jeffrey Epstein and Miss Maxwell smiling for the camera. And uh, irony, not lost, anything? Bueller, Bueller. So it's like, like, dude, what, what? Thank you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, thank you. I mean, it's like. He deleted the tweet. You can't. Yeah, you know, and then, okay, so it, it, it was Eric who did that, and then it's Bunker Boy Jr., Donnie Jr., whose girlfriend test positive for COVID in South Dakota yesterday, or in South Dakota on Friday, just before, so now he's in self-quarantine. It's like, dude, when, when, it, when are, when are Pence and Bunker Boy himself going to get it? it? It's like, please, please, if there's any bit of karma, they have to get it and get, like, a severe case of it, like. They're so um, well protected, and and uh, it, 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 you know he's he's Teflon Don, man. He's just gonna slime by on his bronzer right past any sort of prosecution of his crimes or infection of any disease that he helped exacerbate in the nation, and he's gonna get reelected. And I'm going to die inside. I I I. I know I can't even talk about that. Good, now. good. But, but uh, can we go a fucking week without uh, awful white cops being so fucking awful and disgusting that friends of mine around the world, a couple of friends of mine, literally who live abroad, have said, "Oh, hey, did you see this?" It's like, yeah, I saw it, and it's just disgusting. The 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 Elijah uh, McLean kid who was killed in Aurora, Colorado, a couple years back. By a chokehold while in custody. Yeah, I guess four cops from Aurora thought, hey, wouldn't it be hilarious if we reenacted that thing and took a picture and put it out to the world? I mean, all four cops have since been since been fired. But it's like, in what world does somebody pay to serve and protect think that mocking the death of a 21-year-old kid is the way to go? Wasn't that a text to another cop who then replied, ha ha? Yeah. And so the cop who took the picture has resigned. The three cops in the picture have uh, have been fired. But it's like, are you like honestly? Can we go a fucking couple days? Hey, you know why? Why are these people all protesting in the street? You know, it's like, you know, are, are the cops really that bad, Joe? Are they really that bad? Not all cops, right? Well, most, a lot, well, a ton, yeah. I mean, a shit ton, you know, shit ton of cops. More than a couple bad out, anyways. Um, so, so that, so that's it. And, and unless you got a surprise self indulgent theater, which you, you you haven't told me about. I was thinking briefly. I was like, should I do like a thing from Hamilton as Don Knotts or something? And I'm like, oh, oh my god, I can't I can't Why? I, I can't pull it off. I just don't. Okay, I, maybe you maybe, got you got a week to prepare, motherfucker. Because now that you planted that seed, <laughs> I am not letting this go. I'm in an offering. Right. Jumped up in the middle. <laughs> I'm gonna nip this thing in the bud. I can see oh. you through the bedroom window. Oh. Is this Don Knotts? Oh. oh, I think you know. Getting back to Hamilton for a second, I think my favorite line is like after he died, when everyone's talking about, yeah, he was an asshole, but man, he was great at this. And when Thomas Jefferson, it's like. You know, his financial system is a masterpiece. I couldn't unravel it if I tried. And, and I, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> right, and I tried. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, so I'll have to rewatch Hamilton. I'll have to work up some sort of song parody to an appropriate, with appropriate lyrics for Don Knotts. Uh, I'm not going to miss my knots. Is that, or I'm not going to throw away my shot. We'll work something. You know, I'm spitballing here. I'm spitballing. You, you know, go, you know, do, do a little deep dive. Go back and watch his mostly underrated, the Mr. Limpet, where he becomes a fish. What about the love? What about the love guru? The, oh. You never heard of no. the love guru? No. Is that almost killed Mike? Mike? Am I thinking of the same movie? You're thinking. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of the love god. The Love God was okay, a '60s right. kind of, you know, he was like the swing. He basically he was like Mister Furley before his Mister Furley character. Um, but anyways, I'll have to, I digest. The, the, <laughs> there was there was a hard push from our friend Rod Murphy to call Beyond It the Furleys, and I think we actually played a few songs or a few shows out as the Furleys, if memory serves. Uh, let's get right into sports. I sent you the text this morning from our good friend All Star Tommy, who is rightfully giving you 
Joe and myself in this podcast credit for starting to move the needle on the DC's NFL team talking about changing their name. Congratulations and you're welcome, America. Yes, we're giving we were taking full credit for having the management and the ownership of the Washington Redskins National Football League team to have a thorough consideration of maybe changing their name. <laughs> Um, which is, you know, progress, I guess. And maybe no, not, I, I don't think they can get out of this without having changed their names. I, I, you know, the, the end keeps putting out that joke headline about, you know, changing the name from the Washington Redskins to the DC Redskins. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's time for a change. You're right. Right. You know, it's been long overdue. Um, I saw on Twitter and I think I sent it to you. Somebody redid the logo with like, uh, like it looks kind of an angry middle-aged white guy with a crew cut yelling side profile. It's like, uh, call him the, the Washington, uh, thin skins. Uh, thin skins. And, and instead of like, you know, that the headdress of feathers, it's a tie and a couple golf clubs. You know yes. what I mean? Hanging yes. off the back. And I, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. No, it's all because of carnival personnel podcast, nothing to do with, uh, FedEx and, and they play at FedEx field or Nike, one of the other huge underwriters for the team saying, Hey, um, it's time, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's time. I, I bet they're going to change the name of the field before they change the name of the team. That's just my, you know, they're going to be like, you know what, FedEx, we don't want your, 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 your filthy money. We're going to take, uh, you know, some other sponsor, Amazon. Do you want to, you want in on this? You want any, um, uh, you know? What's a, what's, a, what's an awful company that I is Enron still over? No, no Enron is gone. <laughs> are are they right? <laughs> right. Uh, and then and then you know and the uh, the only other sports news is uh, stop the shit. Everybody, stop! Don't play fucking sports. Just stop. The Miami Heat, as of today, recording this podcast, has shut down their training facilities because of covert concerns. And as baseball is getting ready to start like training, like spring training, I think it's this week, players on almost every team at this point have tested positive. I don't know if every team has at least one player who's tested positive, but almost every team has somebody who's t- tested positive. And several big name players are like, yeah, fuck that. It's not worth it. You know, I'll sit out these, oh, I'm a pitcher. I'm going to pitch once every five games. You're playing a 60-game schedule. You know what? The the 12 starts, the 10 starts I'm going to get this year, I, I think I'm going to save my arm till next year. Um, just, just that's it for sports. Just stop. You know what? I can see why the owners want to squash the unions. You know, they got too much power. They got too much pull, these players. They think they could just... You know, waltz out of uh, training camp because of a little pandemic scare, like they're going to die or something. These billionaires need to make their fucking money. All right? Woo-hoo. Yeah, no, dude. It's it's just stop. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Joe, I think I, I told my oldest this week, this, this could be the week. I might play a little Resident Evil 3. I, I got my glasses now. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm on a crazy workout program, so I honestly can't afford more time than the two and a half, three hours a day I'm working out. But uh, but I, I might, I might, I might actually throw it in. And because the uh, two times I think in the last seven days since we had a pleasant chat, I went online to do a little Resident Evil Five, you know like mini games and get about 10 minutes into an 11 minute game and the internet cuts out. So <sighs> I'm, I'm like, you know what, what, whose fault is it at this point? Dumbass. You know, it's like, uh, play Resident Evil three. What are you doing video game wise? My friend, not a whole lot. I gotta say not a whole lot. I've been pretty dry this week as far as the video game playing. Uh, so I have nothing new to report, which is a, I think uh, relief, a sigh of relief, has, has been heard from floor. If I <laughs> if I can hear through the podcast, but nothing new for me. Uh, I guess we're just going to talk more TV now. Uh, you got a recommendation? Um, I don't know. Maybe oh, I finished The Watchmen. That's and it's a great show. I I'm in true Joe viewing fashion. I watched The Watchmen before I watched the movie. So that's good. And I've not read the comic book because I'm not a fucking nerd. Graphic novels. Sorry. Graphic novels. Yeah. Don't at me. Thank you for not making me correct you. Um, yeah. When when he goes 
um oh what 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 moon is he on he's on a moon of uh jupiter jupiter and that that whole system of people there that he just kills him all the time <laughs> just just kills him all the time it starts over and yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's fantastic. And then, like, how he incorporates those people that he's killed later <laughs> into getting off the the moon of Jupiter. It's a oh, spoiler. Spoiler. There's a guy that's on it, Jupiter. It, it's been it's been out for a year. No. And so now that you've seen it, I forget somewhere in the series, like somebody kills an animal, like somebody shoots a dog. I forget, you know, what the thing is. Or, or I, maybe I was watching something else and it's like my, you know, management was pissed and horrified and shocked when he's fishing the, like the, the little babies out of it and he looks at it and just throws one back in. She gasps, not a fraction as upset. <laughs> right. An animal was- I know. Yeah. That's just the way it is. You know, animals are innocents and people are scum, especially white people. Oh, they had it coming. And I got to say, man. That episode where Regina Keene's character takes too much of the nostalgia medication of her grandfather. Takes a whole bottle. Yeah, and then relives, relives her, basically, it's a, the, the whole episode is about his grandfa- her grandfather's past and how he, this is a big spoilers, big spoilers, so turn this off if you want to watch Watchmen. But turns out that her grandfather, who's played by Louis Gossett Jr., is actually Hooded Justice, who is basically the first quote-unquote superhero or hero in this universe from the 30s. He was an ex-cop or was a cop that decided to do vigilante justice on his own. Anyways, when he's in there in that warehouse plucking away those fucking white supremacists, I was like, I, and I was cheering. Like, I was like giddy. I was, I was, I was bubble, all bubbly inside. I was like, I, I've never felt so alive than at that moment. And I like how this whole Watchmen, I know that I guess it's, you know, it's a new take on the Watchmen universe and the white supremacists being the villains is sort of a new thing when it comes to Watchmen. But I like how they took Watchmen's universe and made it about uh, white supremacy and defeating it and, you know, all that sort of thing. Uh, I like how they made Dr. Manhattan a black guy. Uh, I like because you told me to watch the movie and I'm like, oh, let me look into this movie that, that came out, you know, in 2009. Won't you take me to honky town? There's lots of white people. Not a lot of blacks. <laughs> Which I guess was true to the comic book that came out in 87. But man, yeah. Uh, I like this version a whole lot better. than. I mean, I'm sure the movie will be great and all that stuff. And it'll, it'll fill in some holes that I maybe not have didn't get when watching the Watchmen series. But I hope they do make a season two. Because, you know, you know me. I'm not Mr. Comic Book graphic novel guy but i really enjoyed this series how how sad were you when you found out that um oh mr miami vice guy her boss the chief of don police. johnson yeah yeah when you found out don johnson was like you know a racist and you're like oh man because he seemed so close to her hey he, he, w- he would have like- vo- he would have voted for obama in a third term that's how <laughs> well well, well the, uh, yeah yeah the whole uh robert refer being like the pre- reparations and stuff oh, yeah, like right, that right it's so great uh, it was a really good well, I, no i'm gl- I, I am i'm glad i'm glad you watched that and uh and we'll talk about it a little bit on the sideshow coming up but the other thing is like joe had texted me the other day a must watch homework assignment for the you know the Carl Reiner sideshow is if you're in orbit, if you're not in orbit, no, 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 have no. breakfast. No, no, no. You got it all wrong. Sorry. If you're not in the obit as an obituary. Oh, okay. Right, right. If you're not in the obit. Um, which I hope that's a true story that he saw his picture in the obituary with like a like a nineteen fifties, you know, co star from something who had passed away and the photo that they used of hers getting a Emmy Award or an Oscar Award, you know, standing next to him and he like Yeah. The whole thing is, hey, we're all in our nineties, not being pushed around in chairs, but producing new content, recording new albums, writing new TV shows, starring in new TV shows, you know, I mean, and it was like, you know, and it, look, it's the same thing. It's like the reason my dad, I remember, you know, we were worried. He was such a devoted to his work and like one of these beautiful mind people. It's like when he retires and, you know, luckily that, you know, my parents stay crazy, crazy busy, which is why, I mean, they're nowhere near that age, like 81 and 76, but it's, they're, 15 years younger than their age easily just because they haven't stopped moving, you know? 
I agree. Yeah. So uh, that, that's why I'll be dead in about five years. So um, <laughs> yeah, and the other couple of things I've watched briefly are uh, season seven of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is the Seinfeld reunion season, which is so great. It's actually very, 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 very funny. And they actually address in one episode the Michael Richards N-word incident. <laughs> like head on <laughs> and it's just that's fantastic jock what's your parenting tip for the week please we're wrapping up here you know learning is important uh, you know following our history is important so make your kid learn history and and i would highly suggest having them watch hamilton but with the caveat if your kids are let's say adhd challenged Maybe do it in, in bits and pieces because it's a two and a half hour thing. And after like the first like 45 minutes hour, we told the little guy, it's like, yeah, you can watch the rest of this with Papa later. You know, there's an um, intermission. Come on. A whole minute. Yeah. But but seriously, it's like you as soon as pause. they came up, you know, you can hit pause. You can make the intermission as long as you want. You can yeah, have an I, intermission between the intermissions. Starting it at 8.30 at night, yeah. As soon as it came on, it's like, whoa. And we all we all went like, whoa, it's two and a half hours. Yeah, they're not going to make this. Right, <laughs> um, yep. So so make them learn history. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, yeah, you know, make it in slices, you know. <laughs> exactly. Don't, you know, don't binge the entire musical at once, you know. Yeah, come back to it a little bit at a time. So that's, a, that's an excellent parenting tip. I'm glad you gave it to me. So that's the podcast, everybody. I'm glad you listened. Man, we're going to keep this under an hour. I love it. So let's stay tuned this Thursday for our Carl Reiner sideshow. I'm sure it'll be chock full of information you can easily look up on Wikipedia. But um, it, you won't get the same raspy, stumbling voice of me and the uh, lip-smacking, <laughs> uh, stumbling voice of No, Jacques does not have a stumbly voice. Um, we both have bad voices, what I'm saying. We should not be broadcasting and luckily we're not broadcasting because in order to broadcast i looked it up you have to reach a broad audience so that's why they call it a podcast because we are living in pods right now that's how we reside we're, we're, you know what you and i are two peas in a pod cast <laughs> shut up dickhead so listen to that next thursday this thursday what am i talking about joe nothing i don't know what i'm saying all i know is is that jacques and the people out there listening to us, God bless America. Don't forget.